Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep story history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about fly fishing and tune making. But first, sponsors, which happen to be me. <laughs> uh, so imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past and modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place with where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. Imagine a place with mountain heritage food and an underground speakeasy. There is no other place like the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. Smokiesadventure.com, Smokies plural, adventure, singular. Information and listings about the Smokies, hiking, wedding venues, books, trail maps, maps, resources to make your adventures in the Smokies more meaningful and enjoyable. The emphasis of Smokies Adventure is outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. This goal of this site is to become the leading information portal of the most Smoky Mountains. So I got some upcoming events to talk about. In today's world, you might forget that for all of history, humankind has lived or journeyed into environments that require fundamental survival skills in order to flourish. Wilderness survival, also known as push, bushcraft, is, ability, is the ability to utilize natural and limited materials in traditional ways to stay alive and escape danger. In modern society, learning wilderness survival skills is not only important for the occasional forays into endangerous environments, but also helps in building confidence, self-esteem, and instilling a sense of self-knowledge while re reconnecting with nature and our human past. While we might not think we need wilderness survival skills, if we avoid nature, there are still instance, instances where we might need to call upon them, including natural disasters, wars, getting lost in the woods, extreme shifts in weather, accidents cause, causing some form of incapacitation, and many other unforeseen circumstances. Therefore, it is prudent and wise for every human to have at least a rudimentary capability in the basic skills of survival to ensure their continued existence. These include the ability to build a fire, build a shelter, tie certain knots, navigate without a GPS, apply first aid, evaluate the appropriate gears and supplies and carry what you need and master the essentials of hiking and camping. The Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center is proud to announce the addition of acclaimed author, outdoor survival expert, 
record-setting hiker and elite wilderness search and rescue team member, Nancy East, who was here just a couple weeks ago on our podcast, to our roster of expert artists for our 2022 programs. Nancy will launch the spring hiking season with a presentation on Friday night, March 18th, describing her adventures as a search and rescue member. And there's been some exciting things over the last couple of years where they've rescued some people in some pretty interesting situations. And then on Saturday, March 19th, Nancy will devote an entire day to a variety of the above-mentioned wilderness survival topics to ensure your safety, comfort, and enjoyment as you create memorable experiences hiking in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. So space is limited to 10 students, and, uh, and, uh, and Nancy provides all the materials you might need for the event. The price is two seventy-five, but that includes two nights of lodging, breakfast, and a, and a dinner on Saturday night, along with entertainment. So please uh, reach out to the Meadowlark Motel eight two eight nine two six one seven one seven to reserve your spot. Also coming up, it's relevant to our guest tonight: is a fishing fly fishing camp. Um, what better? What's better than for the soul than throwing a line upstream? watching it pass, doing it again and again, and perhaps getting a bite. All anglers know that fly fishing isn't only about reeling in the big one, although that's always gets our hearts jumping. Fly fishing is about being one with the river and its magnificent presence while witnessing a very valuable ecosystem. The Metalark Motel is offering a, tra- a trout camp weekends in the Smoky Mountains. What began as a way to get a group of friends together on a river has grown into a way of bringing light-minded people together through fly fishing, food, and drink, and campfire in our recreation area to have a memorable experience and learn about fly fishing in the Smokies. Camp weekends are perfect for those new to fly fishing and those looking for some extra instruction. Anyone with experience who enjoys fishing in a small group and making new friends. Each trip is built around those attending, and we will all share in the experience. You can expect quality time in the river and nights around the campfire or in the speakeasy with a drink in hand. Truth that tall tales are all allowed at the camp, and camps are very limited uh, for, with only two 20, 20 anglers allowed. So the first one is April 15th through the 16th in 2022. Um, it's $875 per person that includes the night stays as well as, um, the, 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 you're going to be, you're going to be doing, uh, uh, there's going to be a presentation on Friday night with videos about uh, tall tales and, and ribald behavior of, 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 reminiscent of what (laughs) trout people have done. Of your, and then on Saturday there'll be instruction, hands-on instruction on Saturday morning, and then in the out in the afternoon there'll be intense fishing on elite streams all over the area, as well as we have a mountain heritage trout stream in the backyard, which you're also able to use. Um, and then you will uh, be able to check out on Sunday morning. So um, call eight two eight nine six one seven one seven to make your reservations. So. Our our podcast today, I mentioned, was about fishing and uh, fly fishing and tunes, and and we were also talking about the fly fishing camp. And our guest today is Charles Humphrey III, who knows a little bit about this. He's the founder of Beast Coast Anglers. He started fly fishing as a teenager many many years ago. Maybe not that many. I have many many years ago. He has many. 
<laughs> he has called the waters of Western North Carolina home since 1999. As a touring bluegrass musician, he has had the opportunity to fly fish in Colorado, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Nevada, Oregon, Alaska, and Canada. In addition to being a seasoned fly fisherman, he is also a Grammy Award-winning songwriter-producer, a Western State's 100 endurance endurance ultra run finisher a kentucky colonel a new york a north carolina a new york a north carolina a hall of fame mem- a music hall of fame member touring musician and songs from the road band and the father of two charles two four two foremost passions in life are spreading joy through music and fly fishing how are you doing charles thanks i'm doing having- great joseph thanks for having me on the show oh, it's yeah. always a pleasure to be here well, you were one of our most popular uh, guests last year as uh, one of my favorite people to interview. Um, so we wanted to get you back um, to cover some of the things we missed last time, as well as talking about this fly fishing camp. And oh, also, yeah, you know, we, and even further down the line, we got that you're going to have a songwriting camp in uh, August. A lot um, of cool things going on. You know, the Meadowlark is the perfect location for it. It's such a great place. Oh, yeah. So let's get to it. So. Uh, we'll talk about music a little bit, but let's start with the fly fishing. So, yeah, evidently you've been fly fishing over 20 years, right? How did you get started? I started, um, I grew up, well, I started fishing with my dad before, I mean, on the Outer Banks during Thanksgiving, saltwater, grew up freshwater fishing. That's where I started using the fly rod, um, started touring playing bluegrass music and moved to Western North Carolina in 1999. And during the mid nineties and late nineties, I started fly fishing all over the country with bandmates and I've been doing it ever since. It's just a, it's kind of like music. It's a passion and it's just so rewarding on so many levels. Um, it's not all about catching fish. You know, I enjoy the education side of it. I love the Zen part of it, of just being out in nature. And I really love the camaraderie and the people that you meet who share the passion for the sport. Now, how long have you been guiding people? I've been guiding um, a little over two years professionally and just absolutely love it. You know, we work in North Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia, do both wade and float trips. So there's a variety of different styles. You know, you can go out and fish private water or public water, go for wild trout or stocks trout, big trout, little trout. We do it all. And why did you call your company Beast Coast Anglers? You know, that's a good question. I, um, I We discussed last time I have a running past, an ultra running past, and that running company that I created there was Beast Coast Runners, and it kind of represents the whole East Coast. And I was like, well, we already got the runners. Might as well get the anglers in there too. And there's just <laughs> a lot of fun things you can do with the beast, you know, uh, you can tell I've got a lot of hair, so it was a natural fit, and we are on the East Coast, so. <laughs> <laughs> so like, is, is your, is your internal, is your internal nickname for yourself? Yeah. Go ahead. So is, it, is your internal nickname for yourself Beast? Um. Yeah, my girlfriend calls me Beast, but <laughs> I don't know if that's TMI or not. Well, that could be really good, or that could be really bad. <laughs> Uh, I, I would take it. I would take it with the best, the best connotation you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, so, um, so I imagine, um, 
you know, I, that there's that you, you you mentioned that you know there's a passion there. What are other similarities between your two careers as a musician and fly fisherman? Uh, do you find they both take up a lot of time? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you're fishing all day, every day to prepare for the next trip, and and always gaining more knowledge. Or you're out on the road touring and. Also at home, you know, we do a lot of co-writing virtually through songwriting sessions and whatnot. But it's just such a blessing to be able to um, to educate people on both and do it right here in Western North Carolina at the Meadowlark. It is an absolutely wonderful location. I spend a lot of time there this winter chaperoning uh, kids on a ski trips as they go to Catalucci every week. So I was oh, wow. driving by, just driving by it every day. Couldn't wait to to get in there for these events. And I hope we have a a great crowd of people that'll come and join us. Oh, it'll be great. I think so. Um, so um, you, you have the, we're going to, we're, you know, right now we got to take a break, but we'll talk more about your guide, guide service when we get back. All right. Sounds good, Joseph. Thank you. All right, cool. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Charles Humphrey III. So, Charles, you know, I uh, I had one heck of a day. I, I would tell you that the, some construction uh, crew uh, knocked out the Internet here. And for some reason, the cellular service wasn't working. <laughs> so I've, I've just actually just got back in the saddle just about a half hour before we come on the show. So. So it's a small miracle that we're even talking right now. And it's a small miracle. And I grabbed myself a beer, and it turns out it's a 10% beer I was trying to show you. So if I start, oh, that, if I start wobbling. It should get pretty interesting then. <laughs> if I start wobbling at the end here, you guys will know why. <laughs> I've got uh, some coffee here. All right. Uh, there you go. Won't do me any good over there. Oh, yeah. Dotson Fishing Company there. That's my red drum coffee mug. All right, cool. So, you got to get yourself one of the new Metal Arc m- coffee uh, m- mugs. Have you seen them? There are these I'll, little. I'll, I'll come by and pick one up. I'd love to have a Metal Arc coffee mug. It's a tin cup, and on the outside it says, "This could be moonshine." <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> love it. That's a perfect one. So. So you you created this new guide service. You've been guiding for a couple of years, but uh, so you you created this new one. What was the impetus for that? Yeah, uh, well, it's just it's so time consuming. I know it's something I'm going to do for the rest of my life, and I just wanted to to be putting all my effort into a brand that I knew was going to last. And just like the music stuff and the running stuff, I like to be able to express myself creatively and. Um, it just made sense, and I've got a. I'm lucky and blessed to have a lot of good friends and a great team of of anglers that I'm working with, and everything kind of fell into place. But it's a lot of work, just like anything else, you know, uh, music or anything like that. You can be talented and artistic, but you've also got to know how to run the business side of it. And luckily, oh, I had no. some experience with that as well. As you know, here you are now on social media promoting events. It's a lot of work. Oh, it's a it's a constant thing, you know. I'm a yeah, there, you have to get yourself uh, one of these uh, yeah, programs that lets you aggregate all your social media, and then you start playing the deck. You know, where am I going to throw things out all the time? It's uh, mm-hmm. the whole social promotion is incredibly important. 
We're really we're really fired up about this uh, fishing event, though. Uh, some of the guys that we'll have on staff are Doug McKelvey from Mountain Fly Anglers, uh, Miles Perry, who works with the Beast Coast Anglers, and Zach Phillips is an interesting gentleman. He owned a fly shop for a long time in Atlanta, Georgia, and is is located in Hot Springs, North Carolina. But he's flown all around the country to to tie flies. Mm-hmm. Miles Perry is also a master a master uh, tie flyer fly tire, and so I think I've got those. Guys talked into it. Well, at least one out of two of them know about it, but I think we're going to incorporate um, some fly tying events as well. While they're there, we'll put them to work oh, either on Friday great. night or Saturday. They yeah. can do some, some demonstrations, and we can get the people that are there involved and let them tie some of their own flies. Who knows? They may even be able to tie their own fly and then go out and catch fish on it that day. Well, there's a whole um, there's a whole mythology about fly tying, isn't there? It's like I, uh, tell me, tell me. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, you know, it's like, what is the appropriate tie fly for the appropriate time of year? And, you know, what is the, you know, what is it they really want? And what does it work? You know, matching the hatch, matching the hatch. That's a big thing. To me, there's two kinds of uh, flies and two kinds of people that are tying flies. There's flies that catch fish and there's flies that catch fish and fishermen. Yeah, <laughs> well, these these two guys here, they can catch the ties, the flies they tie catch fish and fishermen because they're oh, so cool. good and look so cool like little pieces of art. I tie flies, but mine just catch fish. They don't yeah. catch fishermen as well as these other two guys. These guys are top notch in the industry. I know some guys that I know. You know, I went to a couple things, and I know at least one guy that. He actually doesn't fish anymore. He just ties flies. His whole passion became about the flies. Man, I'm just watching the stuff that's out there on social media. And these people, they've got these cameras that that capture all the intricacies of it. And just the time and the thought and the pieces of natural feathers and fur that go into making these things is unbelievable. It truly is an art. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I... I, I, you know, it's like, well, first of all, my fingers are so big. I was like, I, you know, I, I, I'll let you guys, <laughs> I will let you guys do it. I tried. I couldn't even tie my girls, uh, my daughter's, uh, my daughter's ballet shoes today. <laughs> Barely get the worm on the hook. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, I, I need somebody to do all that for me and I'll throw it in and catch it. But no, uh, I imagine you've had some great, um, uh, memorable experiences guiding what what is something that is a a really uh experiential learning experience that you've had on, well, I, on I love i love seeing um a beginner really dial in their skills and the first time that they catch a fish on a fly that's that's a big deal you know they just are elated they're just so happy and to see that enjoyment on their faces really really warms your heart and we do mm-hmm. work with a lot of beginners a lot of first timers or when you see somebody out there and they're, maybe they're an accomplished angler, but then they catch a personal best, a PB, as they say, the biggest rainbow, brown, or brook they've ever caught, and they reach a new a new goal in their fishing career, and you've helped them get there. That's rewarding as well. And mm-hmm. we've had some crazy stuff happen. Um, just last week, I was with a client, and the fish broke him off, and he was like, oh, man, that was a big, big fish. It's the biggest fish I've ever seen. And then the next cast – I, I was giving him a demonstration and I hooked a fish, but actually what had happened, I just hooked the hook, one of the hooks that was on his fish that he broke off. So his fish had a fly in its mouth, 
barbless, granted, another fly that was barbless. And with my barbless fly, I hooked his barbless fly, pulled the rig <laughs> and the fish in, just just two barbless flies holding on. And then we actually settled the myth. His fish was not that big. I mean, it was pretty big. It was you know, maybe 18 inches, but it wasn't 30. Yeah. The fact that we, we were able to get that fish in, get the hook out of his mouth, and the fact we got it in, just crazy stuff. You never know what's going to happen. That was just a recent example of something uh, totally weird that happened. Oh, man. You know, um, I grew up at, not too far from Maggie, and uh, part of my you know my youth, and I, you know, I ended up in the middle school in Maggie. But before that, I was a box run, and we had a, a uh, we had a pond out there, right? And I, I would go fishing in that pond because uh, I was like six, seven, eight years old. I didn't know how to do river fishing yet. But I'd go to that pond, and I, I, you know, I'd take one of those wire things to hold the fish on, right? You oh know, yeah, that little hook. So I, I caught a fish uh, and put it on that uh, on that wire thing, but I didn't hook it up well, and the fish got off and took that wire thing with it, right? Oh no! Oh yeah, but. Couple months later, I was back fishing there, and I caught that fish again, and he still had the wire thing in his mouth. <laughs> wow! And he still lived that whole time. That's he lived that he whole back. time. Oh yeah, I don't know how much longer he lived, but he was still there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I I think it's great that you love uh, teaching, um, you know, beginners because you know the metal arc, uh, you know, that mountain trout, mountain trout, um, that mountain heritage stream in the back is perfect. Beginners and it's and for people that are reasonably experienced because I mean we've had some great fishing out there. You know, I caught a 28 incher once out back there when I was growing up. Jonathan Creek, it's a great creek, you know, and it's it's managed um just like the rest of them in North Carolina. We have great, great, great fisheries, thousands of miles of managed rivers, and it's a testament to the to the North Carolina, you know, wildlife people that, that do that and provide those fisheries and maintain those fisheries and trout unlimited and organizations like that. It truly is a, a destination, world-class destination for people to come and, and visit and take in the Smokies and, and fish. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great fishery. It really is. So what are some of the, um, what are the, some, some of the best streams to fish in say Haywood County in the area and, and where might you take some people on this uh, fishing camp? Let's see. Well, you, like you said, you've got Jonathan Creek, Creek right there. Behind the hotel, we're close, both close to the east and the west fork of the Pigeon River. Uh, you know, Cherokee is not too far away. They've got several rivers there that are maintained by their own fishery. It'll it'll depend on the weather conditions, honestly, and what's what's fishing the best because we want to take our clients to an area where they can reach their goals. And so we'll see what the water temperatures are, the water clarity and things like that, and kind of tailor it for that week, that weekend, and put them in a place we think would be most productive. Cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. So what is a a typical trip like to one of these streams? Well, we do half-day and full-day trips, either on boat or by wade. I think we'll be doing some wade fishing um, with our – groups here in the camp and we'll be teaching a a technique called tight line fishing where you're basically um putting the pole out and keeping the line tight and waiting for the fish to hit and but we'll also be doing some dry fly technique streamer and indicator fishing and you go out and you you do a little preparation you know get your boots and waders on tell them 
how everything's set up, uh, tell them how to set the hook, how to set the hook on the swing, how to keep pressure on the rod and the line once the fish hits, how to get head control and keep that fish from getting away from you, and then ultimately how to position the rod in order to get that fish to the net, and then we'll teach them how to handle the fish and do a, a healthy release. And uh, let them put all that into practice to where it becomes second nature for them because they need that experience. A lot of times you can tell somebody how to do something, but in the moment when that fish gets on, they're so excited. Everything you've told them is gone. It's like <laughs> out the window. They're like, ah, what am I doing? And so we're going to get past that point, give them some actual hands-on experience and coaching. So they'll have some um, skills to go forward. And we like to teach people enough, educate them enough to where they can go out, have all the skills they need to go out and do it on their own. Now, will they need to bring their own waders and boots or whatever? Or will you have we'll some- be We'll be providing all the gear, all the waders, the boots, the rods, the flies and everything. So they just need to show up with a smile on their face. All right. That's all we need. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Um, and then they can come back afterwards and, uh, either do a little bit more fishing in the Jonathan Creek, which I'm sure you'll be around to give them oh, a little yeah. bit more advice. And then- we're going we're gonna to hang out. We'll have all the boys hang out. we got a good crew. Half the people on that I fish with are all musicians too, so maybe we can get them over to the speakeasy around the campfire to get out their guitars, and uh, who all knows right. what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we got we got several options now. We got the speakeasy in case it's not the weather's not that nice, and then if it's nice, we got the pavilion with a fireplace and a stage, and and then we got fire 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 pits all over the place. So that that'll be a, a blast. Oh yeah, oh, we yeah. got members of Red Clay Revival and Caribou Collective and songs from the Road Band, and I mean, you know, in Maggie Valley, you can't throw a rock without hitting a banjo picker. One will probably show up. You never know. <laughs> well, that sounds like a blast, man. So we're going to take a break here, and then we'll come back talking a little bit more about your music. All right. Sounds good, Joseph. Thank you. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest. Charles Humphrey the Third. So Charles, you know you. Uh, besides being one of the one of the top fishermen in in, wet, in North Carolina, you also happen to be a something of a musician. <laughs> and uh, you know uh, you actually are well known for writing music. So is there um, is there um, is there uh, something about fishing and writing music that has a similarity, a patience, or something that? Uh, that you, that you find, yeah, that oh yeah, both. oh yeah. I think um, at least in my case, they both take a lot of luck. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of throw it. You just kind of throw it out there into the world, and you're hoping, hoping a fish is going to come along. <laughs> well, you know that they say when they talk about great entrepreneurs or anything, it's like <laughs> you got to be prepared. You got to have the skills. But then you're really waiting for that moment of luck and you're ready for it, right? It's a, it's a lot better to be lucky than good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> just just found out recently, um, Willie Nelson's going to be having a birthday on April 28th. And a song that I wrote is going to be on his new album. He's released a new album. Oh, fabulous. And, you know, that was pretty lucky. It was a, I was as a co-write with the great Sean Camp. And about two years ago, I was over at his, his house in Nashville and he, and he said, do you know anything about gambling? 
I said, oh, man, you're talking to the right guy. <laughs> I've got a lot of experience at losing money. <laughs> He's like, because I don't gamble. I don't know anything about it, but we got to write this song about gambling. Willie Nelson's got an album coming out about gambling. So we sat there and we wrote that song and he sent it over to the producer. That night, I was over at my friend's house grilling out. Sean Kemp called me back and said, oh man, you're not going to believe this. Producer loves the song. He's going to send it to Willie. Calls me back. Willie heard it. He loves it. And then two years later, it's on a record. So, Oh, that's fabulous. Well, now, you know, well you're done, was, aren't you? And aren't you done now? Can't you just sit back and collect the I mean, royalties? <laughs> I don't think it works that way anymore with all the streaming, but it is, you know, he's always been a hero of mine. So it's, yeah. I don't know what to say. It's, it's huge That's honor impressive. and, and very, very lucky, but. Um, Have you been to one of his uh, backstage parties yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean has spent a lot of time with him, played on his records. And that was kind of yeah. the basis of this song. He would been in Hawaii at a poker game yeah. at Willie Nelson's house. And he's got a little place back there called Jang- Django, Django's Orchid Lounge, and uh, I think Sean was sitting there with Willie Nelson. There's some other fellows there, uh, Woody Harrelson and some people, and they're shooting tequila and telling jokes and lies. And Sean and I just kind of wrote about that whole night and put it in a song and sent it to him, and he ended up liking it all right, I guess. Well, you know, my wife is, uh, besides being a, a great mother and, and wife, and, and she also happens to be a Brazilian percussionist and has had some success, she was um, she was a travel agent. She actually does travel for uh, what's that harmonica player that's uh, pretty famous that works with Willie? I forget his name. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So she does his travel, and uh, and she's gotten invited to backstage a couple uh, Willie's concerts, and uh, those parties sound like something to behold, man. <laughs> oh man, that is that is so cool. <laughs> Oh, it's like I want to go to those parties. Um, well, that's cool. So, um, so Mickey, you, Raphael, Mickey Raphael, that's who you're thinking about. That's right. Yeah. So you had a successful career. You were with the Steep uh, Canyon Rangers, and then you decided to follow your own path, uh, which I think is really stimulated your creativity. Was that a difficult decision for you to move on? Uh, it was. It was a natural progression, and. We're we're working on our sixth album now, getting ready to head down to Florida this month for a couple of big festivals. We've got the Swanee Spring Reunion and the EMS Spring Bluegrass Festival, and the the whole year is starting to fill up. It's it's nice because the last two years before that were all affected with um, pandemic concerns, and it seems like things are getting back to a little bit more normal, which is is it's great to be making music with my buddies. Cool. And this is the the songs from the Road Band, right? Yes, sir. Songs from the Road Band. All the guys are based here out of Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, we we are very grateful to be able to do what we do. We've had some songs on the charts. We've got one that's number two on the Bluegrass Grassicana chart this week, and uh, you can you can hear us on Sirius XM Bluegrass Junction or your favorite local radio station, or we like to tell people on Spotify, if you're about to go to sleep, just Put on songs from the road band and just let it spin while you sleep. Let's rack up those plays. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope to get. I hope to besides just the songwriting camp, we can get you out there to do a playing at the Middle Ark. You know, we have a nice old style uh, dance hall. You know, really sort of place to do a little bit of music. We um, would absolutely love to do that, Joseph. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about you, you guys are going to do a, you, We're talking about doing a songwriter cramp in, uh, in August, like the 12th yeah, or something like that. 
it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be a world-class event again. Um, it's just such an honor to work with you and Bob and, and y'all's love of, of the heritage of the area and the traditions. We've got a great event um, lined up. I think we're going to announce it soon. We'll be there with uh, Jim Lauderdale. Oh my God. Yeah. He's Hart, just a, a legend. He's almost like a national treasure. Yeah. Absolutely love his picking, his writing and his singing. Uh, we're going to have Clay Mills, who's uh, written number one country songs. He works with Songtown USA, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He knows the industry inside and out, from creating to pitching to demoing. Um, so he's going to be a huge asset to have on board. Um, we're going to have Darren Nicholson from yeah. Balsam Range, who's an amazing singer and songwriter. He's had a lot of success throughout the years. We co-wrote one last year that went up to number one entitled Lonesome is the Price I play, Pay on, on all bluegrass charts. And then we're going to have Charlie Cham- Chamberlain, who's a musician and a producer in Nashville, and he's going to be bringing a portable studio. So the people at the camp, not only are they going to get to learn about how to create and how to pitch, um, he, they're going to hopefully get to go, we'll go away with a work tape or a demo of something they've created and see what it's like to be in front of the microphones and, and pitch the artists as well. So it's really going to be an all-inclusive writer's camp not only are we going to talk about different ways to create music and arrange songs and write songs, but we're going to talk about the industry, how do you get songs to other people, and then kind of give you a, a process of how to record something that could go on to land in another artist or perhaps your artist. But it's going to be a, a great event, and we've got a world-class lineup. So it's something I'm really looking oh, forward to. That's awesome. Awesome. I mean, um, I don't know if you know that um, – I, you know, besides being a businessman and having a technical background, I started, I started doing art in the nineties and I have a real passion for artists. All right. And, uh, you know, the metal arc is about allowing artists and, and especially heritage artists to, you know, shine and evolve their mediums, right. To really, you know, you know, I believe that, you know, a lot of people try to, uh, you know, petrify things in sort of like the past. And I think that bluegrass and all the, the art forms that we have in this mountain heritage are able to blossom even further and bigger than what they are. And I really think that you're one of those guys that is just doing that. Well, you know, it's it's people that support the arts that make it possible, and there's no better place to do it than the metal arc. I agree. It's a special spot. Cool. So, um, so uh, how did you? How, you know, Daryl. Darren's been at our place a couple times. How do you know Darren? Darren and I met in the bluegrass world. You know, the first time we really got to know each other, I believe we were up in Yukon Territory in Alaska, and we had to ride in the back of a van to cross the border together. And he was playing with Alicia Nugent at the time, and we did some picking, and then he got on with Balsam Range. And we've just always kind of known each other. And I said, Darren, I'd really, really like to write with you. I know you're a hell of a musician and I love your singing. And we wrote a song. I think the first song we wrote was one called Any Highway. We both ended up recording it, Darren Nicholson Band and Songs from the Road Band. And then we went through the pandemic and we wrote tons and tons of songs. He's got a new EP out called Man on a Mission, Darren Nicholson, Man on a Mission. Oh, I love that. Oh, you know that. Uh... I just had that uh, album uh, recently. He was on the show, and I love that album. All right, we, we wrote about four songs on that, and we've got yeah. some that have made it 
to other bands as well. So it, you meet people sometimes where you, you just mesh, where each other's talents or personalities complement each other. And that's kind of what Darren and I have found where we get together and it's just fun. It's natural. It's quick. We always get something that we're proud of. We trust each other's opinions. And so it's been a, it's a, it's been, it's been an honor to work with him. He's a, a great, great talent. And so it's really the songwriting that has brought our friendship closer than anything else. After knowing each other for 20 years in the past two years from getting together to write songs together is how we've really become close. We, friends. I mean, you had songs on there that went like from a, a bluegrass rift into a Southern rock and roll song. I mean, oh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, he was a man on a mission. I think his mission was to rock. That's a, yeah, <laughs> it's right. a pretty cool, cool album. Oh, yeah, man. He does oh, it yeah. all there. It was so neat to, to see those songs come from an idea to a full-on rocking EP. He, he did a great job. Everybody's got to check it out. Man on a Mission, Darren Nicholson. Cool. So this is going to be a great lineup for the songwriter camp. I can tell you that. And and you, uh, and you, and we've, got, you say we've, got, we've got songs from the road band performing on Friday night. All right, fabulous. And then you well, got as, as the people check in, and so actually that band, which which I'm in, will be performing songs that have been co-written with every single person that's there. So we'll be able to discuss that and and see how that works as well. It's going to be a, a unique blend of musical ideas. Oh, I know. And Jim Lauderdale was like, wish he had thirty or more albums, and, uh, and yeah, multiple I think Grammys. Right. He's, he's like the grandfather of this, right? Yeah. It's, it's close to forty. Jim is Jim's awesome, and yeah. we've been backing him up for about two years now, doing a lot of shows on his bluegrass stuff. We've had some great opportunities to perform at some festivals like Merle Fest and and things like that. He's he's he, what can you say? He's Jim Lauderdale. <laughs> what can you say? You know, there's not much. No. Um, so, um, so, um, you've, um, so let's, we're, we're, we're about to, um, you know, um, launch on to a whole bunch of other things. Who are some other folks, famous folks you've worked with that, uh, that, uh, or who's on your bucket list that you would like to work with? Um, uh, let's see. That's a good question. Let's see if my brain's working. I've been fishing all day. Well, like I said, working with Sean Camp and Jim Lauderdale were a pleasure. Darren Nicholson. Um, there's an interesting guy from Charlotte. His name is Josh Daniel. And during the pandemic, he played a two-hour show every single day for 365 days. He played, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was amazing. He plays kind of like Grateful Dead-inspired jam band music. He must know a thousand songs. I was like, Josh, man, you, you've got to. It was similar to Darren's. Like, man, we, we've got to write. I love your playing. I love your singing. And so we've written a lot together. And I'd say that's um, somebody that you need to check out if you haven't heard of him. He's really going places. His name's Josh Daniel. Um, I just saw we're coming up on a radio break, but there's a, a long list of people. Uh, Becky Warren in, in Nashville. Sarah Siskin that lives in Brevard, North Carolina. Written a lot of stuff with her. Charlie Chamberlain, of course, who will be at the Songwriters Camp. Um, Marty Dotson is another name. He's the other half of Songtown USA in Nashville, Tennessee. A great, great writer. He's written for everyone, and he's written a lot of uh, my favorite songs that we've created and been able to record with songs from the road band. Mason Via, who just recently joined Old Crow Medicine Show. I write a lot with him. He is um, a young fireball of a musician. Can do it all, write, pick, and sing. Nick Dauphiné, who plays with Larry Stevenson. He and I have been written a whole lot recently. He's just a, a talent, too. The list goes on and on, Joseph. Oh, yeah. There's so many great people to work with in Western North Carolina. And, you know, with the Internet, too, it kind of 
opens up the boundaries where you don't have to be in the same room. Well, cool. We're going to take the break, like you mentioned, and we'll come back and talk a little bit about Western North Carolina and what's going on in there. Let's do it. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Charles Humphrey III. So, Charles, you are involved in a lot of things. I think that besides being a natural artist, you also seem to be a natural entrepreneur. So you actually own a record label called Lux Dumpy Toads. How's that going? Uh, it's going well. I mostly use it to release the songs from the road band albums. Um but it's it's neat to look at the music industry that way, where you're working with promoters who get music out to the radio DJs and um, communicating with them and uh, releasing stuff onto streaming platforms, uh, Apple Music, and Spotify, and, um, and CD Baby is one of the things we use to release our music, and then getting the records printed on vinyl and see, I'm wondering when we're going to stop making CDs. I feel like that day's coming. I think CDs are done, but vinyl's going to stick around because, you know, it's vinyl's going to stick around. I'm just, yeah. I'm just kind of waiting for that day where we don't have to print up a thousand CDs. We can just, uh, okay. I would be done with CDs and DVDs already. Nobody's <laughs> got a CD. Young people don't even know what CDs are anymore. They're yeah. not putting them in cars anymore, but then you go to these festivals and people with, that like that style of music, they've got cassette players and CD yeah. players and eight tracks, and I'm like, oh, I guess. Well, you know, the, the speakeasy we put in a nice, um, we put in a nice uh, record player, so we're gonna want albums. Awesome, uh, yeah, yeah. Vinyls, oh yeah, just, vinyls got all that analog so sound, you know. Absolutely. I once, I was once working with somebody doing a deal with Sony that that was a, trying to do a. You know, uh, add the the audio. You know, there's a lot of that when you when they turn it to digital, they lose a lot of sound. I don't know if you know it, but it's an amazing amount of sound that they lose when they turn it to. Oh, uh, you're 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 absolutely right. Everything gets con- compressed, and you lose oh, yeah. so much stuff. Neil so, Young was fight, was fighting for that for a long time. He had created this other style of music player that kind of held on to some of that original sound, and I think it was. Uh, just going to be too much too expensive to get it to the everyday person or either the people that were doing music the other way didn't want him to release it um well i made the i made i made the deal sony was all excited this is funny i made the deal with these guys that that uh sony was going to redo all their their they were going to start with opera and do all their opera with this new technology and they were all excited they were going to do the deal they were willing to do it and then the guys come out and say oh it's a great deal but you know we forgot to tell you that it takes a half hour of engineer time for each song. And I was like, Jesus Christ. We're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of you know of hours of songs and albums. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the point is, is it's there. There is a way to add the the analog back, but still takes a lot of time at some point it will come back in the digital but right now yeah i mean there's even there's even a big difference between mp3 and wave file it's just oh yeah yeah for me it's hard to listen to the radio sometimes it's just it's so shrill it sounds like it's just grinding in my ears and it's tough 
Yeah. So, you know, that, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, that uh, it's there's a world of the, what's going to happen in audio is still not even begun. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys will, you will see in the future. But, uh, um, you know, one of the things I want to do is, um, is, uh, you know, we, we're going to have a, we're having all this stuff happen at the Metal Ark. I want to do a Metal Ark sounds from the Metal Ark album. So maybe I'll talk to your lump, Lux Dumpy Toad records to talk about doing that one. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. We, we'd love to do it. Uh, man, that'd be a heck of an album. Just if you even just got the people that have been there, it would be fantastic. I love that idea. Cool. So the other things that you're doing, what, what's uh, your hell of an endurance athletes? What's happening there? Not a lot. Uh, we were hoping to do our 50K over in DuPont Forest this year, which raises money for the Candade Foundation. That's um, the nonprofit wing of Oscar Blues. They do things like um, trail restoration and flood relief. And we're Tunes Ambassadors where we get instruments to kids that need them. And that race, the Hullabaloo 50K and Relay benefits that nonprofit. But they're doing a lot of trail renovation over there near Guyon Farm by the rebranch where we usually do our event. We haven't been able to do it the past two years for permitting concerns due to the pandemic. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. So that's still on the back burner, but it may be something that we'll go back to. I was the um, the race director on on that event. As far as running myself, it's kind of taking a back seat to the fishing lately. That's another thing to stay in shape for it. It really does take a lot of time. You know, you need to run at least a little bit every day. And if you're doing those long events, sometimes you have to do things like back-to-back runs and get in those multi-hour you know, double digit long runs to prepare for those big events. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding. It's a great way to stay in shape. You can eat whatever you want when you're training. The people you meet are (laughs) absolutely amazing. They come from all walks of life. The only thing that ties you together is being crazy enough to go out there and run through the mountains and you get out there with these people you're just meeting and you're suffering together for the first time. And you have this instant bond of like, why in the world are we doing this to ourselves? This is horrible, but I love it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a competitive drinker. And so those long distance drinking events, I have, I got to deal with the same issues, you know? Yeah. I, my, the, the guitar, the guitar player in our band said, Oh yeah, man, I do marathons too. Uh, Netflix marathons. What's your favorite show? <laughs> <laughs> so you got any uh, new uh, recording projects coming out soon? We are putting the finishing touches on the new Songs from the Road album, band. I've got to master four more songs, and we're trying to get it out in the fall, which will be nice. We've had uh, three or four singles be re- that have been released. They've all gone up to number one or two on the charts. So we're hoping to get that out. And it's going to uh, be through Candate as well. We will have that on vinyl. And then we'll go back into the studio and record the next project and start releasing singles as well. So it's it's time to get it out there. I need I'm so close. I want your first vinyl, okay? All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. I'll go ahead yeah. and uh, save it for you. All right. So good. So um, so uh, so if people are looking for that, what where, where, where do they need to watch for to get that? Uh, they would need to watch songsfromtheroadband.com. Okay. Um, they could find us on Instagram or Facebook, Songs from the Road Band as well. Um, we are on all major musical outlets, and we would love for people to come visit us and stay in touch and follow and share the music, add us to playlists, all that good stuff. You can find out information about our live shows. We'd love for them to come out and and meet the band and hang out and have a good time with us as well. 
And if a venue wants to book you, how do they do that? Uh, they would do that through the website as well, songsfromtheroadband.com. And we have a wonderful, wonderful agent. His name is Curtis Guerin. He works at Prater Day. And he would gladly take your call, and we could arrange something to come and play for you at your festival, club, or even private event. Cool. And if somebody wants to book you for guides, the fishing guide, what do they do? Uh, if you would like to go out on a wade or float trip on public or private water with one of, with one of our many talented guides, just go to BeastCoastAnglers.com, and all the information there. All the information that you need is there to either give us a call or to shoot us an email. Cool. And if they want to follow what you're doing personally or in uh, you know online, what are they? Where, where are they going to go? Um, to keep track with me personally, it's just Charles Humphrey the Third, and I have public accounts on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm very active with the fishing company Beast Coast Anglers and with the band Songs from the Road Band. So I'm not too hard to find, and I would love to chat with anybody and visit you know let's put a smile on somebody's face and i'll have a great day all right cool well i'm gonna be down there starting saturday for two weeks so let's get together when you come down i want to come down all right joseph, please, joseph give me a call i would absolutely I love that you, you have right. to promise to call me i want to take you out fishing all right sounds good so thank you for being here this uh this this podcast has been great it was a pleasure thanks for having me on the show i really appreciate it, it was a lot of fun so you can find out more about this podcast at SmokiesAdventure.com. The link to the uh, all the podcasts is on the top of the, the, the site. You can also go to Facebook.com slash Gateways to the Smokies podcast where you can get uh, watch the live podcasts and see the previous podcasts. We're part of the Talk NYC network where they have a lot of live podcasts that are worthwhile for you to watch dealing with travel and small business and New York and self-help and health and things. So I advise you to take a chance to listen. And uh, I actually have another podcast every Friday about business called Wise Content Creates Wealth uh, from noon until one. So I hope you will take a look at that as well. And it's been good uh, to see you and I'll see you next week.